Follow them on Facebook for interviews and more. The Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Curtin Anthony here on this 3rd of July, heading into the 4th of July holiday. And we are, me and Anthony and I will be on the waterfront this evening from this afternoon and early this evening from 4 to 7. So stop by on the Burlington waterfront before the fireworks and say hi. And uh, joining us now on The Morning Drive is State Senator Irene Renner. And I know the towns that she represents because I've got them right here on this little, I'm what do you call this, you. little spinner? She Pinwheel. represents Pinwheel, Fairfax, Westford, Essex, Milton. Yeah. And uh, Irene, uh, you have some parades to go to? I do. There are three parades on July 4th. At 11 a.m., we've got a Milton parade and a Westford parade running concurrently. And then at 1 o'clock, there's a parade in Fairfax. So come see my unit in any one of those three parades. And so you they, might just get a pinwheel. They run the uh, they run, they run run Milton and, and Westford at the exact same time? They do. It makes it a little tough to decide where to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, hmm, that's the, I thought communities kind of staggered them so... Uh, like you know, because part of it is that's a that's a great fundraiser for the Shriners, you know, the the Cairo Temple and the little cars and the fun little things. It used to be, you know, you staggered them so they could hit as many as possible. But interesting. Yeah. All right, so there you go. Learn something new every day. So Irene Renner will be out there working it at all the parades here. Yep. I like the pinwheel. I like. I, I mean, I, I tell everybody uh, <laughs> they're great. I think it's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. And Irene, before we get into talking about some of the end of session issues and the veto session and all of that, since it is the 3rd of July heading into the, you know, stuff going on here and there and everywhere for the 4th of July holiday. And we did a, we did ask our listeners this. So we'll, we'll ask you, do you have a favorite movie, a 4th of July type patriotic or just a July 4th type movie or, and, or is there a song that you like that would be associated with the 4th of July? I just Philadelphia Freedom just comes to mind. Philadelphia Freedom, that Elton that's John. my you know my era. I'm, Elton, a, I'm a late boomer, so El- Elton John, right? Yes. Oh, that's one of my. That's favorites. a great song. That really is. That's one of Philadelphia my Freedom. Shine on me. There you go. I love you. Shine a light. <laughs> Hang on. Okay, that's a good. That's a good one. I say that's a good one. That's a good. Uh, Philadelphia, and I grew up about an hour from Philly. So, oh, did you? Yeah, so that also oh, resonates yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's it is one of my favorites. And then, how about there it is? Oh my goodness, you're fast. If I could have typed Philadelphia quicker, it would have been a lot faster. <laughs> it's a big word. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And uh, is there a is there any movie like people were mentioning Top Gun things like that? I'm Jaws. just not a big movie goer. No. Yeah. Sorry. All right. That's all right. That's all right. No, I couldn't think of anything until we. I Googled it. And then, you know, it's funny because initially you think of the only one I could think of was Independence Day with Will Smith, which I think is a great movie. But then when you Google it, it kind of sparks all these other things that, that movies that had the 4th of July in it. And Jaws, which is strangely odd that both Kurt and I have watched it in the last week, just out of the blue. Um, no, and it wasn't planned really. Huh. It's just kind of funny. So, and Irene, how about will you, will you, we know you're going to be busy, obviously going out to seeing your constituents at the parades and everything, but will you actually be doing any grilling yourself? Uh, I'll let the men in the household do that. That's, that's their <laughs> favorite go. way to cook. Yeah, there so, you go. Uh, they can fire up the grill and cook some burgers. There you go. All right. Now, Irene, a lot of issues to talk about, but let's first just 
this was your first term in the Chittenden County Senate, Vermont State Senate. Yeah. And you've just completed your first year with the veto session being over now. Give us your take on the, were there any things that surprised you? Was there in a, in a good or a bad way? Oh, it's just a whole different, you know, ball game, as you would know, um, from being in local government involved for 17 years and, and heavily involved in a lot of issues there. But then you get to the state house and the pleasant surprise for me was the overlap. You know, as a voter who's read widely and attended things just because I was an involved citizen, I knew about a lot of the issues. So when ranked choice voting came up or, you know, things about the environment, um, I served 15 years on the energy committee. So, you know, I've worked through that peak oil and um, other things. So when people accuse me of being a climate denier because I wasn't real thrilled about S5, the climate bill, it's kind of like, <laughs> actually, no, I've been involved for a long time working on this issue. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was pleased with the overlap. Yeah, that, that I, I found in the issues themselves. So, so I felt like I had a good grounding with that. So that okay. was that was a positive for me. But I also was just, of course, bowled over by the number of people whose names I need to learn and faces. And you know, you have the advocates who are just all over the cafeteria and can't wait to talk to you. Um, and then you know, if you don't vote for their issue, then like they don't make eye contact the next day. And I just thought that was really kind of <laughs> oh, is that interesting? Right? Yeah. You do know? you find yeah? How do you find the the advocates, the lobbyists, whatever? Is it uh, is it off putting to you, or you you said it didn't seem like it was the best experience if you uh, didn't if you it, didn't support their issue? Yeah, and if you don't support their issue, it's not. But you know, I've there's a difference so between the advocates and the lobbyists too, though. As opposed, well, I mean, advoc- some advocates are there. Well, I guess it is the same thing, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, we've all survived middle school. Like, you, you, you've been through that in your life before. It's just a strangely familiar feeling like, oh, yesterday I was your best friend and now today because it, I came down on a different side of an issue. You don't know my name. Anyway. It's just a funny feeling. It, and you just go, oh, OK, so th- here we are in this no, kind yeah. of environment. It, it, and not everyone's like that. But there, that happened in some cases. And it just we're. You were because surprised. you dress, yeah, yeah, you dress so professionally in the state house, and you're walking through an art gallery all day long, and you, you just, I think most Vermonters expect like there's a certain level of professionalism, and then there is, but then those little funny moments happen where you just say to yourself, "We're all human." If I were in their shoes, I might react the same way. I, I worked really hard to get your vote, and you decided differently, and I just I can't make eye contact just because so I'm, I'm so angry or something, but. I always you felt know, we're all human. I so. always felt I always felt that the best lobbyists were the ones who had been around long enough to understand that you if you lose a legislator's vote, you don't get irritated, you don't act like you're irritated because you're because there's so many issues that you're gonna be going back to that legislator for something else before you know it. Yeah. One would and, think, right? Yeah, and one and, would uh, think. Allison Crowley's dad. It always <laughs> brings to mind Senator Tom Crowley, the late great Senator Tom Crowley. From Chittenden County back in the day, and he he um, his advice to people who were lobbyists, including his daughter, who's a lobbyist there, who's a great Allison Crowley, um, was be careful of the toes that you step on today, for they may be attached to the ass you have to kiss tomorrow, <laughs> or placed in your ass following day. Uh, so that I, I thought that was a. a it's oh, interesting, cool. though, that, that I, I find it a little concerned. I find it delightful that you can have an open conversation and disagree with somebody and say, well, this is why I'm voting it this way. But I am I'm a little concerned, like because you came out against S5, they immediately labeled you a climate denier. 
And that's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. I see other issues. You know, that, that was a huge, there was a, a lot packed in that bill. And um, to come out and say Irene Renner's a, a climate denier, that's pure comedy. Well, I think so. But, but that's one of the issues that you heard about door to door, right? People's concern. About- oh, my gosh. I, so many doors. People said to me, I don't want a carbon tax. And I, I said, on the chance that I get go to Montpelier, I will bring your voice there. Yeah. And so I had made that commitment to people door after door after door that their voice, unlike being part of a six pack where, you know, there were over 100,000 constituents that those six senators answered to and maybe didn't knock on as many doors. I felt like there was a much more personal relationship. When people have a solo senator and it's only 22,000 people, I want people to know my name and know my face, and I want to get to know their names and faces and, more importantly, their issues. So I'm writing down all the time when I'm at people's doors what their issues are. And some people said to me, why are you writing down? I said, because I want to remember this, and I want to take this with me so that... You know, six months from now, and sure enough, six months later, there I was it's, it's, <laughs> put on the it, spot. That what she is. just, what Irene just yeah. said, is one of the reasons why I personally like all single seat districts. I'm just because you know now there's less people you're representing, but you know who that member is. You know they're your senator. You talk to them as opposed to multiple different senators. I know you could have multiple different voices, but I like. I like single seat districts. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why, right? There. I do too. For both House and Senate. Yeah, I agree. And yet we still have so many multi member districts. And then, of course, I think they have their own challenges, right? Those people get three times as much email maybe as I do. Um, they have to coordinate with their peers in that district for representation. They have to do events to get, you know, I, I just feel like I have a little more freedom to be more nimble. In those four towns, yeah, but again, and it speaks to representation. You know, you know, you you are elected to represent your constituents, and you genuinely. I mean, you know, on the surface, everybody says that, but I got to tell you, uh, it's 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 pretty refreshing, and I get it. Single seats, it's easier because you don't have to sit and say, um, you know, uh, well, we got to consider this and consider that. It's like, well, this is what I heard, and I promised these people, and this is where I'm at. And and I think too because your Chittenden North is a little more rural. Uh, I I I just uh, I I pound the drum every time I'm on the radio. But if you're in rural Vermont, even slightly rural Vermont, S five has a significantly different impact financially on you Absolutely. than if you live in you know Chittenden County sure. or in Barry Montpelier. We're or, talking. You know, we're talking to State Senator Irene Renner, and if you have a question for Senator Renner, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline. She'll be happy to take your questions. She is she represents Westford, Essex, Milton, and Fairfax. And um, Irene, let's. I want to. Do you have a call? Oh, I thought I thought you were giving me a motion. No. I missed that. Uh, Irene, going to the Clean Heat Standard or the Unaffordable Act or Heat or Affordable Act, however you want to classify it, as it's been classified many different ways. But in the end, what passed was the governor still didn't support it, obviously, because he didn't like that. I mean, it's it's viewed by some as a study now going forward. Others view it that it's more puts us on the fast line to, lane to making this happen. In the end, what do you think about where we are with that? Is is there the ability to stop that from happening down the road? Um, if 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 the if people decide they don't like it, well, we're spending two million dollars immediately to start hiring people and setting up the system that will make it happen. 
So I think it's concerning to me in my past government experience that once you hire, once you even convene a committee of volunteers, I've seen people in elected office be very reluctant to take what they've done and say, okay, well, thank you for your work. We don't like it. I I don't see the legislature doing that with this either. After money has been invested, taxpayer dollars have been invested in setting up this program and hiring a number of people to decide deciding, how it will work. And deciding who's going to manage it and who's going to yeah. get the money. And then couple that with the fact that we have, we, meaning the residents of Vermont, are committed to the global uh, initiative of California. So we'll have this 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 pending uh, timeline where people can start suing the state. I I, 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 I agree with you. Well, I put forth a bill about halfway through this session that pushed those dates out. And it is still sitting on the wall of Senate Natural Resources and Energy Committee. But um, there is a way, since the legislators nice. set up those yep. guard ra- th- those, those um, benchmarks, those time frames, mm-hmm. we could push those out. So you Five or ten years. I introduced a bill so that we would not have be sued because that was the big cry yeah. in Hugh last year, right? right? Was oh, if we don't pass S, well, yeah, it was S five. I don't know what the number was last year, but if we don't pass the climate bill, it was the clean mm-hmm. heat standard last year. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't pass the clean heat standard, we're going to be sued, and it's kind of ironic that the legislature set itself up to be sued. <laughs> yes. But if the legislature can set ourselves up to be sued, we can set ourselves up to be not sued, and that's why I put the bill in just Ooh. to. Say to people, we don't have to be. We don't have to be hitched to California. Yes, or to our own prior legislature, who in good faith expected we could possibly meet those standards, but we're nowhere near meeting those goals at this point. And so, you know, let's give ourselves a break. Let's at least take the lawsuit aspect out of it. And we all know what lawsuits do. They cost more time and money. And add frustration. And why would we do that to ourselves? Well, and I'm not a big fan of legislation from the bench. If we don't have a law that uh, that should 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 work or not right. work, don't kick it to the courts. I mean, we, we've We're got a backlog overworked. now. Yeah. yeah, I I I, I got to tell you, every time we talk, I learn something new, and I like it even more. Thank you, you introduced a bill. It's hanging on the wall at Natural Resources. It is. But you actually are the one that introduced a bill to say, hey. We don't have to have this timeline. We can slow this down. We can. And and I'm not saying that climate isn't urgent. I mean, we have an emergency. We are seeing it with the smoke coming from wildfires in Canada, right? Those are being exacerbated, if not caused, by the weird weather that has come about because of all the things we've done to our environment over the long haul. But... (laughs) But do we have to do it at the demise of our... Yeah, existence. And, and, and the urgency is not captured in the fact that S5 would not be voted on again for two more years, right? I mean, so in one sense, we're hearing from people, well, this is urgent. You need to do something. Well, if it's urgent, we need to do something besides put off dealing with it for two years with a plan that really doesn't address what it said it was going to address, which is carbon emissions, right? I mean, we still have plants burning biomass to create electricity in a nearby town and the task force for the climate council itself said those should be phased out and yet the climate council didn't listen to its own task group and that advice right i mean so we're considering carbon uh, pollutant 
polluters like the McNeil generating plant to be carbon neutral in yeah. a bill like this. And so that's where the well, frustration comes, I think. Then, for a, then lot a lot of Vermonters, even who aren't wonky enough to follow this, immediately realize they have to do that because where are the clean credits going to come from? Who are you going to pay for the clean credits? It has to be. So the, the, there's a lot of money involved in this, too, that has nothing to do with the environment. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hey, good morning, gang. Um, so last week um, you had a guest on and you were talking about um, a, a bill that went to uh, the legislature uh, about reducing the amount of retail theft, um, the amount that was going to be uh, chargeable for, for, for an offense. And instead the, uh, the guest you had talked about two legislators who came in and hijacked that bill Increase the amount and effectively ruin the intent of the of the bill. And and when I had called, uh, I was asking you, know, well, who who are these legislators? And I didn't get an answer because uh, there was this chuckle, this was this kind of laugh, like, well, we don't talk about those things. And so I'm wondering, when your your current guest has a, a bill that's been put up in the Natural Resources um, Committee and isn't going to be acted on, or is going to be held up, why don't we as, as voters have a right to know who's holding up these types of things so we can put our voices to pressure and let our, our opinions be known on why we should not be linked to California standards and those kind of things. So I'm curious, is, is, is the, the whole legislature thing where we don't talk about people's names and the, the intents of their actions? Just curious. So, Irene, um, good question. Good question. That's fairly typical, though, that right, lots and lots and lots of bills get proposed, and it's up to the committee chairs if there's any consensus about the committee to take them up or not. So I may sit there and say, hey, I like that bill. But if the committee chair and and they feel that the majority of the committee members don't want to, that just never sees the light of day. Right, and that's... It's not necessarily like, oh, this person or that person, except that the majority just didn't want to go for it. Right, and you can understand why a bill pushing out those deadlines would be considered not popular by that particular committee that was quite gung-ho about the, ch- the climate bill, right? They, they want their solution to be the only thing that we're all thinking about, which is understandable. The team is pushing in one direction, but I'm just giving them a little offshoot and a little break from one of the causes of the angst here. And, and so this is not something like what we talked about, the issue that he's talking about. This is not something like where you could say, you could reveal to the listening audience this person and that person shut me down on this. On this no, point. no. I mean, if you want to look up, I mean, I always Google Vermont legislature and then it comes up and you can look up the Senate committee and find the names of those on the judiciary, which it sounds like is related to the retail theft issue mm-hmm. or the Senate natural resources group. Um, and you could write to all those people. All their email addresses are easily findable. Um, we are out of session now, so it's kind of a moot point. But back, come January, there's another chance. And this, chance. I think, was in the House, actually. Oh, was it? Okay. In, so then the House for bill. The, for the bill with the with the crime. Okay. So um, and the House has a larger committee, right? They might have yep. 11 or 12 people that yes. you would want to email. But um, same thing. Uh, just to put the... People the, are available. Just so you know what it was, and I can go into a question for on that issue for you, actually, is the we had the Erin uh, Segrist. The, she is the executive director of Vermont Retailers and Grocers Association. And she, of course, when you're when you're representing a group, and they have different, sometimes varying opinions. You don't want to be out on the radio necessarily saying, you know, 
this person stuffed me or that person stuffed me or whatever because you got to deal with them down the road. Sure. And the, the and the reality on this one was it was a bill that was in judiciary to change the nine hundred dollar figure to reduce it. And as happens, there were and the, there was no vote on it. There was a discussion where some legislators that weren't identified, I've kind of figured out who it was, that weren't identified <laughs> said they didn't want to go that direction. They wanted to go the other direction and increase the number. So there's no record of it. So nobody could point to it because there wasn't a vote. It was a discussion. Right. And then the bill just kind of went away because there was no consensus. Right. Some people wanted to reduce the number. Some people wanted, people wanted to increase it. But with that, let me ask you about retail theft and your thoughts on that. Um, would you support a bill such as what was introduced and then didn't go anywhere for what we just talked about on retail theft? We know that you can, with impunity in Vermont, basically, and it's become a problem, a huge problem in Burlington, but it's a problem in other places as well. You can go into a store and load up a gross, a cart with up to $900 worth of valuable items. You know, you can sit there with a calculator and you aren't going to have much of anything happen to you because that's the Vermont law. Would you support some kind of change in that to make it that there's actual consequences to retail theft? Um, I'm, I don't sit on judiciary, so I don't deal with these issues. No, I get it. But, yeah. but, but no, but but what, mean, if, a, what a, if a bill came a, to you? As a, as a consumer, it sounds wrong to me because we all pay when a retailer has theft, right? I mean, it comes out of everyone's pocket. The prices go up and um, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like the rule of law has any sway and why 900 you know why isn't yeah. it 50 bucks i mean you know kids who've got trouble for stealing a pack of tic tacs right i mean shoplifting used to be really like egregious and to think that there's a law now that allows someone to walk away with some merchandise doesn't feel it, good it to seems, me it doesn't it sound seems- right Counterintuitive, I guess, is go. the term I'm trying word. to think of. But yeah, it, you're you're absolutely right. It used to be shoplifting was considered, you know, taboo. I mean, re- regardless it's whether, a crime. yeah, it not, it's a crime, but it's also wrong to steal from people, you know. And right. and now it's it, it's it's odd. Um, and and they've even taught they even had a, a a proposed bill to just do the cumulative effect. Say, you know, over if if you get if you get arrested. Over a ninety-day period or a thirty-day, now it could be over a five-day period. Oh my gosh! Uh, we got to go to break yeah. in just a minute, but just yeah. a quick answer. So, if a bill made its way to the Senate floor for you to vote on that increased that number from nine hundred, which a couple of House members wanted to do, it make it made it whether you could steal more, you could steal up to twenty-five hundred dollars before it'd be something. No, thank you. You would not support that, and no. would you? Would you consider? A different number, or making the cumulative number that Anthony just would you consider that if that came to you, to, in order to have some consequences for retail theft? I would like some consequences. Okay, because right. I think consequences are what they act as a deterrent. Number one, but they also yeah seems <laughs> logical. Gotcha. Great, thank Set you. An example. All right. Well, Irene's going to stay with us after the break. Uh, we're going to check in with Fox News. Amanda has listen the way you want. Now we return on the morning drive. News Talk WVMT. There it is, Irene's favorite 4th of July song, Philadelphia Freedom. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. We are back with State Chittenden County State Senator Irene Renner. If you have a question for Irene, give us a call, 888-414-0303 on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline. Irene, um, what about, let's move on to some other issues. What about uh, the bottle bill? The governor, <laughs> uh, that was taken back up during the veto session. Can you tell us why that one in particular? Because there was talk at one time that the veto session might go on for a few days. Right. 
thankfully, I, I gave the legislature, legislative leaders credit that they wrapped it up in the one. But the one bill they went back to, there was talk about they did, we might do the election reform bill, et cetera. But the one bill they did go back to was the bottle bill. Can you give us any insight on why that one? And two, what do you think about the governor's veto of that? So the bottle bill, I thought, um, was that the one that the House still needed to vote on? There was one bill the House had to vote on that they were sort of... It may be. And I think that's why the House voted on it. It was still on the docket for them. And then the governor subsequently vetoed it. So when we convene again, whether it's October for impeachment trial or January for coming back into the session, um, we are going to attempt to veto override. And we'll have the votes. And your thoughts? Um, that's a very interesting bill because the more you learn about it, the more you, I think, question the expense involved and the impacts on the retailers. You know, we've got a workforce shortage. You need someone to manually sort all those cans of bottles that are coming in. Um, and there is quite a big expense to the state to set up the expanded bottle program, which not everyone was talking about. Um, so I think it's easy in the soundbite to say, of course, we want to put a deposit on your water bottle, Kurt, <laughs> to make sure you bring it back. Um, and the, indeed, those redeemables come back at a higher quality. They're usually rinsed better or whatever um, than the average recyclable in your blue bin. But we do have a zero sort recycling plan now. Mm-hmm. And so for everyone to just put it in the blue bin makes sense. Single stream to set up a more expanded redeemable program is going to cost money. It is going to be a hassle for some folks. And I heard quite a bit of pushback from people in the Senate about how they have to drive so far to the redemption center and they resent that. So um, I may not be able to override that veto. I may be sustaining it, even though I did vote for the bottle bill. So not fully decided, but you right now, I'm leaning towards sustaining a veto on that. I have just learned plenty of information and again affordability is really important to the vermonters in my district if not all vermonters so when people hear that you know four million dollars to expand the program oh that's something new to them too also um people have talked about we're in the minority of states that even have a deposit on bottles right don't you think most people do recycle these things i would hope and as we get to better uh zero sort like you know they just built a new facility here in chittenden county they are yeah and i think it on the surface, you're absolutely right. Everybody's like, yeah, that's great. We'll recycle more. But when you wind up factoring in the cost, factoring in the infrastructure, um, it really is, it, it, again, I want not to beat the dead horse, counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah, well, and then we learned that the average can, metal, aluminum can, uh, contains about 35 cents worth of metal. So you're not getting... For your efforts in redeeming that, right. you're not getting back really what it's worth yeah. to the planet yep. for to recycle it. So really, the deposit should be higher, but then that oh, opens up a whole other can of worms. Sure. And we can't get rid of the deposit, I'm told, because the state keeps those $2 million yeah, see, it in always comes back to money. returned yeah. monies. There you go. So there's all these different money issues around the feel-good part of, of mm-hmm. course, we want to encourage people to Redeem yeah. them and, you know. I mean, we got some calls coming yeah, in for okay, you. Okay, let's, let's go let's, to the phones. Thanks. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. Uh, Irene, I'd like to ask you a couple of quick questions. Um, did you vote for the pay raise, n- number one? And number two, would you consider sponsoring a bill to limit time that legislators are in Montpelier? 
All right, Irene. That was certainly on the list coming up to talk to you about anyway, so good timing. Yeah. The pay raise, to go back when you were on the show before, I know you tell me if I'm characterizing yeah, this no. wrong. You had said you had a problem with it. You thought it was too big, but you voted for it to move it along. In right. the end, this was not able to be voted on because they didn't have enough votes. Where were you standing on that at the end? So I was disappointed that the House didn't change it more, that I think the health care benefit is a little excessive. I mean, I think we all need health care, but I think to ask the voters to support health care for um, us was a lot to ask in addition to the pay increase. I think the pay increase is wholly justified because, as Phil Bruth, I think, mentioned last week on your show, we work year-round. We're in session for five months of the year, but we work year-round. When constituents call me earlier this, uh, late last month, um, one constituent called and said, I haven't had internet for a week. I don't have a landline that's working right now. Could you get on the phone and call my carrier? I did. It didn't matter. The session was over. The veto session was over. That's the kind of constituent service that you are expected to all year long provide to people to answer the questions about laws, to come on your show. You know, work hasn't stopped just because the session's over. And so because we are available 24-7 to our constituents, um, I don't think it's excessive to act, to ask and expect to get one day's worth of pay for all the weeks that we're out of session. Uh, so, so the pay raise itself is something that I think is justified. It also has not been raised in a but, long but time. It gets, but it does get raised every year, which um, I certainly don't get and not every Vermonter gets, which right. is an inflationary increase every yeah, year. It's still not a livable wage. So when you start with an excessively low wage, but Irene, <laughs> you add I, like, I want to add this, though, Irene. Sure, Irene sure. It's not it's supposed to be necessarily a job that's going to make you, uh, you know, that every legislator can depend on this for their yearly income, right? You go to the legislature, you get your four-month or four-and-a-half-month salary, which you get meals paid for. I don't get that here. My wife nope. doesn't get that at her nope. work. That's thousands of dollars. Right. Um, you get, uh, and and then the hope is that you go back to another job, the expectation that gives you enough money for the rest of the year. That's the expectation. But as Phil mentioned last year, $14,800 for those of us who make it our full-time job and use that money to get through 12 months worth of expenses it's not a living wage it's not even a living wage for the four months that we're doing it so i think when we show people how much we make for how hard we work because we're not working an eight-hour day either when we're in session a lot of us stay over we're away from family we're away from other obligations and yes there are some legislators who leave their committee and start their other job after hours others of us Go home and we read tomorrow's bills that are coming up. We answer constituent emails. So it is not necessarily an eight-hour-a-day job, even in session. So when you start multiplying the hours versus the salary, it comes nowhere close to a living wage, even well, during the session. I could have a so full debate with you on this issue alone because I don't that's entirely fine. agree with you. But I want to ask you, rather than that, yeah, is yeah. to say, in the end, though, the Senate could not take up a vote because they didn't have the votes to sure. override. They, they tried right. desperately to, to do that. Um, will you be willing to tell us, were you one of the senators that was not going to support that? I was one of the senators who did support it because I understand that we have you mean, a demographic you, you mean, in you, the Senate right now. You mean you would have voted to sustain the governor's veto? I, I would have voted to override his veto on that because we cannot attract younger people in the numbers that we need 
to keep the Senate viable right now. We have a number of senior senators who have pensions, who have savings, whose houses are paid off, who did not empathize enough with people who are younger, newer, and don't have those financial advantages and can't afford to work at a job like this that does not pay a living wage, okay, much less so despite, mortgage. Despite you, you know? thinking that it was too much in the bill, you would have voted to override it. I thought health care was too much. I think okay. the wage increase was absolutely acceptable given how hard and how much we work. But I thought the health care was a lot to ask for in the same breath. So given that idea of you have to make a choice, I chose to support the people who said to me, I can't run again. And I think there's some very good legislators who told me they can't run again at this pace. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Yeah. Hi, good morning. Uh, Irene, a question. Yeah. For one thing, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't support the health care uh, package. Uh, I, I, I don't support any of the raise package, but the health care package, a caller last week brought up a great point, and it's like if, if they need all this health care, how come they don't just turn to the Affordable Care Act Vermont Health Connect uh, uh, health care program because it's supposedly so affordable? And I'm wondering, because I know it's not affordable mm-hmm. for most people, right. and I'm wondering if there's any chatter in Montpelier at all about trying to do something about that. Uh, uh, you know, to, 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 uh, the, the, the premium cost, the out-of-pocket cost, it, it's just, it's insane. If yep. you're anywhere in the middle, you can't afford that. You either have to be rich or really poor. And I'm wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. I heard no chatter whatsoever. I think it's kind of a third rail right now. And we were doing so many other things like childcare that um, the priorities that were set by the Democratic caucus, at least I did not hear healthcare come up. I think I'm sorry to say that. I, um, I think that's what's frustrating for a lot of folks is because, uh, and Senator Bruce was here last week and was surprised to learn that, that um, uh, most people pay their health insurance monthly out of their checking account. Uh, he was unaware that 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 most Vermonters uh, do that. Right. And I think that is, you know, you can have the debate about the wages and the money and the, right. the job. Right. But it's it's super frustrating for a reach of for health care that even if you worked that many hours for a private business, you wouldn't be eligible for their full time benefits right. if they offer. Exactly. Them. exactly. So so it's we're going to go outside the law and give ourselves something that that nobody else can have. But we're the people that make the laws. And that's where um, yeah. I think that it, it just really went sure. right over the cliff. Uh, and, and, and I also I appreciate the fact that you're honest in saying, here's why I support it. We have a debate. That's great. But the, the, there's no chatter at all about addressing the cost to health care for the rest of Vermonters. I didn't hear it, but I don't sit on the Health and Welfare Committee. Maybe they made a decision within you know, okay. the Senate and, health, and House committees about that. I, but... It never got out of their committee. But we do need to be clear. The last caller yeah. said that you didn't support the package of health care in the bill. I mean, you you don't, but ultimately you were going to cast your vote to allow that bill to go forward. And I understand mm-hmm. you on balance, you didn't support that, but you were allowed going to allow it to happen because you thought the other parts were important enough for you to support right. the health care happening. Because right. Right. you couldn't separate the two. You And you know that for making laws. You know, you, you can like one thing about a bill and, and then there's something else that irks you. And that's true of every bill, right? Some of these bills are so complex. And are you going to get let one part of the budget decide that you're not going to support the budget? Some people do. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. 
Oh, hi. I just had a couple of comments. Um, going off your last caller statement, uh, I think legislators are going to do to health to child care what they've done to health care, which is make it worse. Carbon dioxide only makes up 0.04% of our atmosphere. It's crazy, this whole carbon sequestration. And lastly, about the pay raise and health care, it's called service. It's not called making money to help out your your uh, community. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Irene, comments Thanks. on any of that? Um, it is about service, but everyone has to eat. And um, most people need to find a place to live and pay a mortgage or a landlord and um it's really hard to do that on fourteen thousand. Irene, you, you said you chose to make it your year-round job what, I did. if you did not run or if you had if you hadn't gotten elected what would you right. be doing i'd be doing what i was always doing recently which is just local activism i was running a newspaper again as a volunteer in my community because i do believe in service it's all about service to me and i took this job Knowing full well I'd make $14,800 a year and be doing it full time. I also happen to have a spouse who has health care benefits, and I'm very fortunate in that respect, but that's the only thing that allows me to serve. And, and Phil Baruth said the same thing, that it's just under $15,000. But we have to be, um, I had to declare my money on my taxes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. When I declared taxes, sure. and I, I declared it as, what, what I had to was $20,000, because... The meal money does its thousands of dollars into the check. Right. I mean, again, most Vermonters don't get, and I don't begrudge legislators that. I got it myself. And most I Vermonters survive on more it. than $20,000 a year, Kurt. Not, that's, not, that's, but that's, they do. It's, but it's not meant to be a yearly salary. It's meant to be four to four and a half months. Okay, let's go, to another, let's go to another phone call. We're not going to agree on that one. <laughs> let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. It's about With service. all due respect, to um, the legislators. This is such a slap in the face and it's a disgusting insult to Vermonters. There are Vermonters that work outside of their jobs. There are Vermonters that work when they take their work home with them. I can understand maybe a cost of living increase, maybe go up to 16, maybe 1650, but 23,000 plus stipends and then to hear that the city of Burlington voted themselves a raise, I don't get to vote myself a raise. Does Kurt and Anthony get to vote themselves a raise? I understand service. Policemen, they start out some of their starting salaries in some of these towns is like twenty three to $30,000 to get shot at and spit at, and they don't get to vote themselves a raise. And they're serving. Firemen are serving. And, and you're only talking four months of the year to pass bills to keep voting yourselves raises, and I'm trying to be respectful here, but I don't understand any of it. I mean, sixteen thousand, yes, sixteen fifty, maybe, maybe a couple extra nickels in the uh, travel base. But come on, please, just just hear us out. Vermonters are very tired. And anyway, thank you for taking my call. I think people do get fired up about this when I read. Yeah. So any further, and, and they should be fired up because if they don't understand how hard someone is working for that twenty thousand dollars, include the stipend, if you will, um, it's a lot of hard work. And in order to land that twenty thousand dollars for a half year job, 
I knocked on doors for six months and no one paid me to do that. And in fact, in order to do that, I also had to raise $20,000 because that's what it costs to run for this seat. So there are all kinds of hidden costs that legislators have, legislators like me at least, that we have to put out of our pocket in order to land a salary that some may consider excessive for the privilege of serving, but I consider to be a bare minimum. And again, I wasn't voting to raise my salary. I was voting to increase the salary of people who are coming two terms after me when inflation will have done its job on the current salary that we're all making. And I think it's only fair to provide for the people down the line. I know my kids are frustrated that they can't afford housing. Their generation is having a much harder time of it than mine is even of just making ends meet. And so if we want legislators to bring new energy and new life to these bodies, I think we have to agree they need to be paid a living wage, not an excessive wage, a living wage. And a living wage of, let's double that, six months salary for 20000 let's say $40,000 a year. I don't know that many people who are working full-time who make $40,000 a year and can make ends meet. And these are the people we've elected to do a very difficult job. Thank um, you. Irene, uh, I want to go to another, we got just a few minutes left, but I mean, at the same time, you're voting on what over the next two terms will be a $5 million added to the budget, not only just to increase people's pay, but that's $5 million at a time then the legislature won't even spend that money to do away with taxation on the military's retirement benefits which makes us one of only two states to not do that. So I think that's another thing that frustrates people is which sure. $5 million just for salaries. And I know you're saying it's not for you because it's not this term, but it's going to be in the next, in the coming future, $5 million out of the budget when we can't do certain things like that. And, we're, and they're told, gosh, we've got a tight budget. Well, we can do certain things like that. And I know that 16 of the 30 senators signed on to a bill to take away the tax on military pensions. So that's also sitting on a wall. But that is very doable according to the votes from what I've seen. I, so it can be done. And again, in the scheme of things, when you've got an $8.5 billion budget, we, we t- keep hearing about how high the budget is. $5 million gets spent on a lot of things that are important. And I think salaries are an important thing. And I think that military pension tax is important and i get you but it just never seems to happen it hasn't happened every and i I, neither has the raise for legislators pay so let's let's make a deal right you raise legislators pay we take right i mean we have to understand that five million (laughs) is five million is five million uh irene i want to ask you about the motel program are you happy where that ended up with the compromise that was uh, crafted by legislative leadership and with that compromise and i get it, it got Got us over the got you over the finish line, but why didn't that happen before? Why, why didn't that happen earlier in the session? I mean, the legislative leaders pointed at the governor, but certainly legislative leadership and legislators in general could have come up with that plan months earlier. One would think, although you know, everyone's very busy working on whatever they're working on, right? I mean, every committee is focused on the things that they think are important, and then. Um, those of us who had been reading emails, and again, to give credit to the, the committee chairs, they are just inundated with their own topical bills, right? And then so the home, the housing crisis is sort of looming over all of us. Um, I'm not leading a committee. So I had time to read some of these emails coming from people who are unhoused. It was heart-wrenching, but I'm not so sure that leadership was reading all those emails. I don't know if they had a real sense of the crisis. Maybe they did. Maybe they just couldn't deal with it. Maybe, as they did say, 
they thought the governor's group was working on getting a solution in place so that on June 1st, we would have some idea of what to do with 800 people that were going to be unhoused. Um, and it turns out that there was some generous expectation there that wasn't being met. And they claimed, and I have to believe them, that we I think got that there were a lot of things that people didn't expect. Uh, one thing is that the, the courts are overloaded. Can't evict a lot yes. of squatters left over in apartments that, that people really should be living in. Yeah, That was a problem, too. Irene Renner, yes. State Senator, thank, thank you, you for being on the morning drive today. And listen, thank have you. yourself a great Fourth of July holiday. Have fun at you all too. the parades. I will come to one of them. Absolutely. And uh, well, we're going to be down on the waterfront. So, oh, okay. Irene, thanks for being on the morning drive. We appreciate your honesty and sharing you your both. opinions and for being here. Appreciate and it. Everybody, tonight, Anthony and I, starting at 4 o'clock, we will be on the waterfront. So stop down and see us from 4 to 7 on Burlington's Waterfront right before the fireworks. We'll be broadcasting live. That's right. We've got the Cash Cube. It's back. You can uh, register to jump in and grab as much cash as you can. We're going to have a good time. There's live entertainment all down on the waterfront. Come visit us. And we're off tomorrow. No show tomorrow. We'll be right back here on Wednesday, the 5th of July. Right here on News Talk WVMT Burlington. From ABC News. I'm Brian Clark. Holiday travel has set some records, like Friday when the TSA screened a single-day record of 2.88 million air travelers. 